Have you ever felt it? That excitement, that hum that reaches into the very base of your stomach and makes your whole body feel alive? Well, your life can feel like that. Each week, I'll be sharing ways your personal wellness journey can lead you to a life that literally makes you hum. We'll be diving into all things nutrition, mindset, connection, spirituality and relationships to encourage you to be courageous and brave with your life and most importantly, unashamedly you. Together, let's find your hum. Welcome to episode 24 of Find Your Hum. I'm Kirsty, your host, and today I'm joined by Chelsea Blackburn in what is an absolutely incredible chat. It totally felt like I was having a conversation with myself. We share such a similar perspective to healing, and that is that healing goes way beyond the physical, that so much of our healing also occurs on a mental and emotional level. This episode, whilst it does have a basis in the pain that is experienced by endosufferers, it absolutely applies to anyone who has suffered with chronic pain, and that is that's any pain that's kind of lasting more than three months. Some conditions that come to mind are things like fibromyalgia, interstitial cystitis, irritable bowel diseases, and chronic fatigue syndrome. When we are experiencing pain on a regular basis, it really can become so consuming. We begin to feel so disconnected from our bodies. Chelsea speaks about being angry with her body when her endo was at its worst, and I totally relate to this. There have been many times over my adult life where I have been angry, so angry at my body for not working how it should. I did speak a little bit about this in the episode I recorded regarding my skin health. This disconnection really isn't helping our healing. Chelsea offers some wonderful insight and tools that can allow us to begin to feel connected to our bodies again. Now during this chat we do speak openly about pleasure in the bedroom so if there are little ones around you may want to pop your headphones in or listen to this one when you are by yourself. A little bit about my guest. Chelsea is a blogger, podcaster and coach that shares empowering and positive content around learning to live well with endometriosis despite all the pain that we get. She helps people with endometriosis look at their pain through a new lens with her unique and inspiring perspective and empowers them to be leaders in all areas of their life. She has created the most beautifully positive space where healing and creativity meet allowing people to learn about endometriosis and how to cope with their illness in new ways. And I just want to say thank you because I've had such a wonderful response to the Nourishing Ways Foundational Reset. Now, if you haven't checked it out, it is a two-week reset designed for you to begin to shine again through increased energy, beginning to understand the language of your body and deepening the connection to your inner world, all with joy and ease. If you have ever wondered what it might be like to work with me, this is a lovely way to take a small step into what I do here at The Nourishing Way. Each of the two weeks of The Nourishing Way's Foundational Reset brings in my unique approach as we work with the steps that I take with my clients. We look at strengthening, which is listening and understanding your body's unique language, sustaining, healing the body through whole food nutrition, and nurturing, which is that beautiful connection to our own energy. The Nourishing Way Foundational Reset is so much more than just a meal plan. It really is about setting the foundation for you to shine again. You can find out more about the Foundational Reset over at thenourishingway.com.au or through the link in the show notes. 
and you will also find all the ways to connect with Chelsea in the show notes too. So Chelsea, I'd like my listeners to get to know you a little bit. What was it like where you grew up? Okay, cool. Yeah. So I grew up in, well, kind of a little bit all over the place. So we started in Montana and moved to Washington state for a little bit and then back to Montana my senior year of high school. Um, But we, we kind of grew up in the suburbs, um, but we moved like every single year of my entire life. Um, So I've moved like 40 plus times. And I always look back at it now because I talked to other people that have moved and had similar experiences like that. And it was super traumatic for them. Um, and I guess just the way that I look at it possibly, but to me, it feels like that helped me make new friends easier and helped me like acclimate to change a little bit better, but we were kind of all over the place. And yeah, I mean, I had a relatively easy childhood, you know, other than the moving, you know, but again, like I just said, it was kind of like, I got to meet new friends and I got to always be the new girl. Um, it was... (laughs) Um, weird at first, I guess, but then you just, that was like who I was, I guess, you know, who I identified as was always just the new girl and, um, went to college in Montana. Like I said, we moved back to Montana, my senior year of high school. Um, and I went to the university of Montana in Missoula and graduated college there and moved to Denver. And now I am currently in Austin, Texas, but we literally just sold our house. We accepted an offer last night and we're moving back to Montana. Oh, wow. Well, I suppose oh, you just yeah. kept the whole moving thing going as you've gotten older then. I know. And I, I was talking to my husband. I was like, this is going to be at the next, next house that we buy. Like we're going to live there for the next 50 years. Like <laughs> I can't keep moving like this. It, <laughs> the older you get, the more stuff you have and the more things you have to pack and it just gets more stressful. <laughs> yeah. Did, um, have you found that moving a lot? Like, do you have a big like network of friends? Cause I would think like moving all the time, different places, different things that were you good at keeping in contact with people that you had been friends with? Yeah. So I actually, um, I do, I have like sprinkled friends all over the U S right. Like, because I have like one to two, depending on where I live, sometimes three, like good close friends in each area that I've lived, you know? And so as we've all grown up and gotten older, like of course, some of them have moved to other places, but a lot of them are still back in the hometown. So like whenever I'm up in that area, like we always meet up, we have phone calls, we chat, you know? Um, so yeah, that is kind of interesting. I guess I never really thought about that. We do have, or I do have like kind of friends all over the US. And I think also like having this, um, like my social online platform and things like that, making all different friends from around US, around the world and things like that, it makes, I don't know. The internet makes everything easier. It absolutely does. I'm here in England, but like my family and friends are over in Australia. And yeah, even though you are so far away from them, it really doesn't feel like that with the technology that we have nowadays. It's amazing. For sure. Yeah. We can just hop on a quick Zoom call or a phone call or FaceTime or something like that. And it doesn't feel like I'm halfway across the country, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now I have you on today to talk about endometriosis and a few other things, but let's start with um, endo. So what has been your story with endo? Because as an endo warrior myself, we all do have our own particular stories that we kind of have had and how it's affected us. Yeah, totally. So 
Um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis in 2012 when I was 21. Um, but prior to that, I had been having symptoms from the time I was like 15, 16, looking back now, we obviously didn't know that those like stomach pains and things like that were endometriosis at that time. Um, but I was in and out of the doctor. I remember, so we had just moved back to Missoula, Montana, my senior year of high school. And I was like in and out of the doctor every month, at least once a month, every other week with like all over abdomen cramping, all over abdomen pain, not really correlated to my period. You know, my periods were heavy. So I was on all these different birth controls and nobody could really give me a straight answer. They, um, my parents were going through a divorce at that time. And I remember this one doctor asked me if I was coming to the doctor so frequently. So I, to get attention, right. Because my parents were going through a divorce. I was like, no, I'm just in pain, you know? And when you're really young like that, you're like, maybe, maybe it is all in my head. You know, maybe it is, maybe I am like wanting attention. Maybe the, all of these doctors are right. You know, we have doctors up on a pedestal, um, especially like if you've never really worked with them, like I've, I've run into that a lot in my practice where people, I don't know, you don't realize that doctors are just humans too, right? And doctors have their own biases and make mistakes and things like that. And looking at it now, obviously looking back, I can be like, wow, that doctor was really in a, uninformed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the time I'm just like, oh, maybe this is in my head. Um, so I just continued to go to the ER and finally got a doctor over in Washington state where my mom had moved to consider that it might be endometriosis because my mom had endometriosis and he did an exploratory lap and lo and behold, I had endometriosis, but he did for all of you that know, there's like two different types of endo surgeries. One of them is not very effective. And the other one is extremely effective. Um, I had the not very effective one, right? The ablation coagulation surgery. Um, and I didn't really get any pain relief from that. And so he put me on Lupron and I got severely depressed. Um, I have now have hypothyroidism from taking Lupron, but again, that didn't help my pain at all. And so we did another surgery and that didn't help my pain. We like took out my IUD, tried a different birth control. Like we, we were trying so many different things and Finally, like I found through Pinterest, <laughs> the endo diet um, and extremely overwhelming, obviously. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try like one thing at a time and see if I can pinpoint, maybe these are food symptoms, you know, maybe I have like food triggers and things like that. And that really, I gained relief from cutting out gluten in like a month, you know, like I had been in the least amount of pain that I had been in, in the last like five years or something like that um, roughly five years after cutting out gluten and really figuring out like what my food intolerances were. And that really like kickstarted my health journey and figuring out what movement felt good and really diving into like the mindset the mental and emotional aspect of living with a chronic illness. And now today I have more good days than bad. I have had excision surgery with an endo specialist, which I highly recommend, but I mean, surgery is not for everybody and surgery isn't going to fix everything. You know, that's why we have to look at all these other, other aspects of healing to really figure out what works for our unique body. I think your story just absolutely highlights majority of people's journey, but also the way that it's just, it is so hard to get a diagnosis and that, mm -hmm. oh, it's kind of all in your head or it's just period pain. You know, it's, just something that you have, kind of have to put up with. And 
I think that can just make it so difficult, can't it? When you don't feel like you're being heard and generally you start having these symptoms quite young, mm-hmm. can be quite confronting to go through. Uh, for sure. And I know like from my experience and from a lot of women that I've talked to and some doctors that I've talked to, um, a lot of times these symptoms present like after a traumatic event, right? And so then like in my case, right, my parents were going through a divorce. We'd just moved again. Um, I was in a new city and started having all of this pain. And obviously it wasn't in my head. It was endometriosis, but really dealing with like the mental and emotional aspect of going through that trauma, you know, of my parents getting divorced has also like helped me in my healing journey. You know, it's not just one thing that's going to fix us. Absolutely. And I had, because I really want to talk to you about that whole mind-body concept. So it might be a really good time to jump into that now because we have learned so much about the physical side of endo. And obviously that's a lot of the research, the evidence and stuff is coming out more to do with, you know, the underlying drivers and what kind of causes it, what keeps it going. But there is that huge part with the trauma, the emotional body and how that all links in. Um, And I know you are very big on doing that with your clients and stuff that you see. Do you mind delving into a little bit of that? Like what is it um, and sort of how it can contribute to our chronic pain that we experience? Yeah, of course. Of course. I love all this stuff. (laughs) Um, And it is true because of course, endometriosis is a physical illness, right? But what happens when you have your endometriosis excised by a professional and who's done thousands of these surgeries and you know, for sure, you don't have any endometriosis in there, but you still have all of this pain, you know, and part of like a contributing factor to that is obviously like how long we've been in pain, right? Because the longer that you have this pain and it's been undiagnosed, the more likely you are to have like centralization pain, if that, um, like centralized or central sensitization pain, which essentially is like abnormal nerve firing um, from your nerves being overstimulated from having that pain there for so long, you know? And so when you remove the pain of say, like I have left side pain, you know, I still get pain in that area because I have these abnormal pain pathways that are still sending signals to that area. And so it's really interesting, like the whole mind, body, gut, mind, like there's so many like aspects that they're just researching now um, in ways that you can help like manage endometriosis, right? And it's all going to be different based on your unique symptoms and possibly like what's actually going on with you and your body, right? But um, a lot of people are getting relief. I was just speaking to a dietitian um, last week and she was saying that she sends some of her patients to like gut hypnosis. Um, I love that stuff. Yeah. It's so interesting because it just further like proves how, like how connected everything is. Right. And how like taking that step back and looking at the other factors and looking at how much like emotions and just like your brain, right. Play into your pain and I think she was saying like her patients, it takes like three weeks, but at that three week mark, like sometimes they'll still have pain, but it just kind of helps them like take a step back and not be like so irritated, I guess, isn't the right word, but not so consumed by the pain that they have, right? It just helps them look at it through a different perspective, which I think is so cool. 
Yeah, I um, have come across that a few times in some other training that I wasn't doing for endometriosis. It was more gut related. And yeah, I definitely went down a rabbit hole when I was looking into it. I just think it would be the most amazing thing to even go and have done. Mm -hmm. I think it would be so cool. Yeah, it's super interesting, very fascinating stuff. And I know, I mean, I love it how much research, like how much people are actually like researching the connection between the gut and endometriosis in our brain, right? Yeah. Um, and just how it all plays into each other. There's so many little facets of <laughs> managing endo. And I hope one time in our lifetime, right, we could actually get proper diagnosis and actually have. I don't know, I was talking to Dr. Cook. Are you familiar with who Dr. Cook is? No, no. Um, he's like a, he's an excision specialist. He's um, from Vital Health Endometriosis over on Instagram. Um, I was chatting with him the other day and he was saying that, well, just obviously like confronting how to get more effective diagnosis, right? Like one day, hopefully in our lifetime, we'll be able to go to an OBGYN and they'll just go in with, like lap through surgically and just take pictures. And then if they see endometriosis, refer the patient out, you know, and that's kind of what they're working towards, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that would be such a good idea. I mean, it's annoying that it has to be sort of, and well, any surgery is invasive. I mean, it is minimally invasive, but yeah, I mean, it'd be great. I know they were working on a um, blood test in Australia with endometriosis Australia to see if they could potentially pick up some markers. So that would also be really cool if it would come down to something that simple because I know nobody gets a quick and easy diagnosis of endometriosis. So like we just talked about with that chronic pain, like you are in pain for a lot of time, even before you go to the doctor to get help. And then you've got mm. years and years of that pain on top. It would be so nice if it was something as simple and easy as that. Right. Well, and it just, um, like you were just saying, like you'll have that pain, right? And then it takes years and years to get a diagnosis and to actually get into have proper excision surgery, not to have the ablation coagulation surgery that can cause more scar tissue and things like that, right? Um, which just turns into more pain in the long run. But the longer that we're delayed and the longer we have pain um, in those areas, right? In those specific areas, the more likely we are to have this like, centralized pain, centralized chronic pain. Um, it's just, it's all very interesting. It's like ties into mind body syndrome and like TMS and things like that as well. Yeah, it is very interesting. Did you want to dive into more of the mind body syndrome TMS stuff? Cause I know you're super interested into that. So if you want to share with the audience, like what that is and what you do around that. The idea behind mind-body syndrome and TMS um, is that unresolved emotions and stress present in our body as physical symptoms, right? And so this isn't to say that your pain is all in your head or your emotions are causing your pain, but I mean, I guess they kind of are, right? Especially if they're unresolved. And so really the first step is to understand that like most of chronic pain that you're having, especially if you've been having it for 10 years. And like I was saying before, like you've had proper excision surgery to get it physically removed from your body. And you're going through the steps of like, okay, well, what else could this possibly be? If I don't have endometriosis, why am I still having pain? The first step is really to understand that that pain could potentially 
not be causing any damage to your tissue, right? Because it could be from mind-body syndrome or slash TMS, right? They, those terms are kind of interchangeable. Um, and it's understanding that, okay, if this pain isn't causing me more damage, how can I find safety in emotions, right? And understanding that like your brain is plastic, which doesn't mean that it's like fake plastic. It means that it, um, it can change and adapt and you can create like new neural pathways. And if that pain is learned pain to that area, your brain can create new neural pathways to unlearn that pain once it feels safe to do so. Well, I had like an accent there. <laughs> once I feel safe to do so. <laughs> Um, and so really like if you're like curious about mind body syndrome and if this could be like contributing to part of your pain, right? Like there's an assessment that you can take, um, because that pain could be from unresolved emotions, from trauma that, that have just been like held in your body forever. Right. And it's not your body's fault. It's like, a it basically you think of it like a defense mechanism, right? You're you're going through a traumatic event, you're going through a highly emotional state or something that is causing you extreme distress, your body's like, oh, well, look at this pain down here. What if you have this left side pain? You're gonna think about that and not about this extreme distressing situation that you're going through. And so it kind of creates that as like a defense mechanism essentially, right? And the idea behind that is that once you can find safety in your body and learn that your emotions are safe and your body is safe and you can really like teach yourself safety again, that pain can be rewired and go away. I just absolutely love that because I work so much in that kind of area myself. I really think that there's sort of underlying most of our long-term standing chronic issues. There is such an emotional link there to it it's not just physical or the physical is manifesting something emotional within us which is like you've just explained and I think that is an often forgotten part of the healing process because like we can deal with those physical symptoms but sometimes that emotional stuff you can't we can't see as easy um, and it's not until you sort of get to know someone you're working with and you start to unpack a bit that you can kind of see where those links are and I just think it's so important to make those links 100% and I know it is it is so much easier to focus on like the physical things like the surgeries and medications and the diet and all of the tangible things that are supposed to like make you feel better right because they're tangible and they're there and you can physically see them instead of looking inward and looking at your emotions and looking at like doing the mindset work and all of these like somatic mapping and like helping your body feel safe feels a little almost like woo woo and out there. And people are like, okay, well, why would I focus on that when I could do these other things that might help? But again, it kind of goes back to the thing where it has to be all of it, you know, like there's so many facets to healing. It's like a multi-factorial approach. And so if you aren't healing like the emotions and the mindset aspect of things, right, you could be doing all of the diet you want and all of the surgeries and all the medications, you're still going to have some pain. Yeah, absolutely. Until you sort of deal with all the underlying conditions, it's not just, you know, as far as like with endometriosis, it could be something like SIBO or leaky yeah. gut or the mm -hmm. immune system, like being upregulated. 
And then you can have some hormonal imbalances. Like you can deal with all of that, but you also have to deal with that underlying condition of the emotions. And like you said, any stored trauma, all of that kind of stuff plays such a vital role. Yeah, 100%. I also, I know from my own experience um, in endometriosis and how I've kind of, it's presented and also how I have like lived. I was, I would say for most of my life being very much living in my masculine, like I was go, go, go type A. I think most women sort of in their thirties nowadays, even early forties, we kind of got really given that picture of you can do it all like you know very very male driven like in a way and I don't think that's a bad thing at all I think it's great that women you know do are empowered to have it all now but I think along the way well I know not I think I definitely really believe along the way we have lost some of that really feminine instinct I know I did I was really disconnected from the feminine side of myself of which I really come back to amongst all my healing and learning and I think it's been amazing and I don't think it's a coincidence that that womb space that sacral area is where I've also had my healing problems my like my manifestations of that do you think that kind of stuff do you see that play out yes 100% I actually um one of my dear, dear friends is an energy healer. And I have her on my podcast quite often to talk about like energy and really it's like the wounded feminine, right? Because a lot of the times we, well, and I see it with women with endometriosis all the time or people that have endometriosis, right? That we, we are the people pleasers. We are the, we want to bend over backwards for everybody. We feel really just disconnected from our womanhood you know and learning to lean into healing and balancing your masculine and feminine energies and balancing your energies in general right can really help you to become more stable does that make sense maybe stable is not the right word but (laughs) balanced it is like and it is it absolutely is balanced like both men and women we both need that feminine and we both need that masculine energy like it is within all of us and absolutely just needs to be in balance 100 right because like you were saying, our society generally values that masculine energy, the go, 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 when the feminine energy is often thought of as weak. And in our reality, like it's so powerful and so strong and like leaning into that feminine energy, leaning into the receiving and the flow and like getting in tune with your cycle and the cyclic nature of our bodies (laughs) and the earth, obviously. Um, And then really leaning into our emotions, right? And processing things in a healthy way can do wonders yeah and I think that comes back to what you were just saying like because we haven't really been processing our emotions and traumas and things like that like we do go 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 push it all down and then it feeds back into what you were talking about before with that whole mind body syndrome and how that manifests so you can just see like the spiral just keeps going until we can get in there and actually break it and start tuning into that feminine energy again yes 100 percent. okay I'm going to totally switch tracks now because I also (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I I was like I'm gonna either go down a rabbit hole with you with that other stuff which we could do um but I also really want to talk to you about um endometriosis and relationships because I love all the work you do around that stuff um 
particularly around the pain that you experience when having sex? Because I think that is such a big part that is not spoken about endometriosis. Like it's always spoken about with the period pain and navigating that, which can be horrific. But when you're in an intimate relationship with somebody, that the pain that you get when having sex can become quite a barrier, especially like, you know, again, with that whole womanhood and, you know, if you're with a male partner in terms of their masculine and how that all works. So I'm going to start right at the beginning and with ourselves. And I know myself when I had endometriosis or even working towards getting my diagnosis, your body actually feels quite broken. Like feels like, you know, you're tired, you're fatigued, the pain, you keep getting told that it's all in your head. So then you tend to start to worry about actually, is it all in my head? How do we begin to love ourselves when we're feeling like this? Mm, Beautiful question because it is, it's such a reality for so many. And I know I was in that place. I remember being so angry and so mad at my body for not being able to do the things that a normal 20 something could do, you know? And I think it really comes back to finding safety in your body. Like, even if it's just like one little tiny thing a day, right? Asking yourself, like, what do I do to feel, or what do I need to feel safe right now? Right? Because it could be different for everybody, right? But just even asking that question is going to help you start to connect to your body more, right? Because when we're in so much pain, we can almost like separate our mind and our body, right? Because it just becomes easier. We're in so much pain. We have so many things going on and we can just disconnect from our body in general. Um, And so really leaning into that connection again, right? Figuring out what you need to feel safe again and then just getting curious about it. That whole concept of safety, if someone's never really come across that before, how do they start to know what feels safe for them? Mm. So living through endometriosis is a trauma. Being gaslit by medical professionals is a trauma. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of people that have endometriosis, it sometimes resent after like a traumatic event, right? And so our bodies are in constant fight or flight mode. We are constantly, your body thinks that there's something like constantly wrong. And all of this creates like higher levels of inflammation. And that's like a whole slew of another thing that we could talk about. (laughs) Um, So if you are feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling like jittery and you can't lay down, right? If you are feeling tense and you can't relax, really leaning into, okay, well, obviously like my nervous system is upregulated. I'm having all of these anxious feelings. I'm going down all of these like negative spirals in my mind, thinking worst case scenario, take a step back and just start to breathe, you know, like get connected to your breath. And I mean, there's a bunch of nervous system regulating techniques that we can do that can help push your body into rest and digest, right? So in this really simple one is just to kind of like hum and blow out your lips, right? Because you have your vagus nerve that connects your gut to your brain basically. And when you hum, it like vibrates your, the vagus nerve and helps push your body into that rest and digest state, right? It helps even just doing like a little bit of that whenever you're feeling anxious. I know you can grab like ice cubes and rub them on your neck. Um, 
And then again, like I was saying, just getting curious because feeling safe in your body is going to feel different for everybody, right? It's going to take different things. And so asking yourself like, what changes do I need to, or what changes do I need to make, right? To bring more peace and less stress into my life, right? What do I need right now? Yeah, that's really good. I remember when I was sort of investigating that for me, it's kind of been different times of your life. You think you've got it nailed and then it'll come up again Mm -hmm. or something else. And I remember journaling on it once and mine was as simple as, and like you've already mentioned, the breath. Like that is when I feel safe. Like after, after that really deep breath and just coming back to that stillness. And it totally makes sense with what you were just saying in terms of that, because deep breathing is that way to get yourself back into that rest and digest state as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really about those things that bring you back into that parasympathetic nervous state rather than in that all oh, fight and flight, because you are totally on all the time when you have chronic pain and you think about it like 24 seven all the time, there's always something that's like so consuming. So just to be able to give yourself breaks from that, I think is so important. Yeah, exactly. And I know it's really is just like leaning into, I mean, I call it safety, but it, it is just regulating, <laughs> regulating your nervous system. Breath is huge. Breath is amazing. Um, and really one thing that I do with some of my clients is having them do like a body map, right? So you, whenever you feel yourself like really angry or like really stressed out or like your emotions are kind of unproportionate to the events that's happening, right? Closing your eyes and just start breathing and asking like, where am I feeling this in my body right now? Right. And then going to that area and letting it go, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's a really nice way to bring ourselves back to our body because it's interesting. Like you would think having endometriosis, a lot of pain and inflammation going on you would think you would be in your body because you're dealing with it all the time, but you literally get to this point where you're just trying to cut it off all the time and you become so disassociated with your body that that idea of closing your eyes and stepping back into it. I just think when we're talking about the whole emotional level of healing, it's so nice to just bring yourself back really into your body. It totally is. And I know it gets a bad rap in the chronic illness community because I mean I guess people overuse it but yoga is such an amazing tool even just the breath work that comes from doing yoga right you're like consciously breathing for an hour even if you are 30 minutes or however long you're doing it right that's why you feel so good after a yoga class is because you've been breathing you feel like zen and chill because you've been breathing right you don't have to do any of the yoga poses you could just lay in child's pose and breathe for an hour and see the benefits, you know? Yeah. Do you ever do any work with um, particularly working on that root chakra too? Because I find that can be really powerful because obviously that's like the bottom chakra, the grounding, the safety one. That's where we find our safety. I've gotten a lot of really good um, work with both myself and my clients with really working on that root chakra to help feel that safety that we need. Um, so I don't work with the chakras specifically, but um, I know that that work benefits so many. And I would love for you to explain that. 
I'm sure you've talked about it before. No, I haven't. I can it on the podcast. I'm speaking okay. about with clients and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I just find it's like anything that we can do to really ground and root. So um, like even something simple as closing your eyes and visualizing red at the base of your spine, really just like a red ball and have it spinning and like cleaning out anything that sort of like mucky and anything that's there that doesn't need to be there. It's really simple things like that eating red foods like it's quite easy to tune back into that simple yoga yoga poses like the yogi squat is really nice because it's all focusing on that sort of downward and that breathing really like all the way down into that bottom chakra and really clearing it out can just be so nice but it's also as simple as just going to put your feet on the grass because again it just brings the energy back down your body and yeah I find that when using that with people can just be really powerful. And again, it probably just comes back to simple things like we were just saying, it gets you, get your mind off everything else. And I think that is probably the biggest thing is it's just a moment in time that allows you to switch from everything else that was going on just to being you again. Yeah, exactly. Just like bringing you into yourself again, instead of focusing on everything else that's going on in your life. Right. Yeah. And I know that root chakra, like if that is not, if they kind of like work up the body. So if the root chakra, the bottom base one is a little bit unbalanced in whatever way and you don't feel safe, then it actually stops the energy flowing up. And the next one is our sacral chakra and that is our womb space. So again, if we don't have that safety there, or we're blocking some energy, it is going to then cascade up and yeah, really impact that sacral one which we want to be flowing and nice so we can really be in our divine feminine and be able to embrace that which I think again heals that space within our sleep for us beautiful and I know like I love all of the energy stuff like I need to dive into it so much more because I would love to incorporate more of like the the chakras and things like that into my coaching um because I believe it it's we are energy (laughs) we're all energy beings like energy can't be created just destroyed so we like transmute it to other people throughout our body and i love like things like acupuncture and um like personally going for myself i know like i can feel like well maybe i'm no i'm not even gonna say that i was like maybe i'm making it up that's old conditioning sorry guys yeah (laughs) um (laughs) but like acupuncture you can actually feel that energy like flowing through your body it feels so good yeah. Oh my God. I am a massive fan of acupuncture. I just think it is just divine. Even just to, again, you lay there was it's happening, which is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, you can really feel those meridians open back up and, but even going on to that, just doing some really simple, and I think it's beautiful when you're in sort of chronic pain and dealing with that. And even with, you know, when you feel stuck with your diagnosis or your treatment or your healing, something simple as like a Tai Chi, again, you just, you're just moving that energy through your body. Yoga does the same thing. It all comes back to that flow of energy. And we, like you said, we are all connected. It all flows through us. And if we stop and it's stagnant, that's when I think we start getting disease in our body. We just need to keep it flowing to be healthy. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I know like something like a traumatic incident can do just that which is why I think it's really important to like work on finding safety and work on 
all of this like mindset, emotional aspect of healing as well. I just think it's crazy that if you go back a few hundred years, we knew all this. <laughs> it's like, I where know. did it go? Like, it's great. Like, I love the medical stuff. I mean, I went and did a science degree at uni. So like, I totally get that side of it too. But yeah, I just, I wish we had not gone so far the other way and we kept them so tightly joined. I know it's coming back. I can feel it. Like there's definitely people out there that are bringing it back together. And I just, I cannot wait for the day where they are joined again, because I just think it would be amazing. Um, yeah, me too. I, um, I was saying earlier that I was speaking with Dr. Cook the other day and he's like a leading excision specialist in the U S and he is huge into like meditation and energy and that aspect of healing as well, which I just think is so beautiful. I was like giddy during our conversation because we were talking about energy. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> yes, a doctor talking about energy <laughs> and consciousness and like all of this other, like these things that I like geek out on. Um, and I was like, wow, with a medical professional, this is beautiful. Like this is the future. I'm so excited for it, you know? Yeah. And of course the brilliant work that we do ourselves. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so going back to circle all the way back again now um, to the, I suppose, the pain that you experience when having sex, or even just having endometriosis and then having a new partner and or even your partner that you have now, how do you open up the conversation around that being painful? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's going to be based on your comfort level and your relationship with that person, right? Like I know with my now husband, I told him on the first date, I was like, Hey, I have endometriosis. You know, I'm in pain a lot of the time. Is that, I didn't, I don't think I asked if that was a problem. I just said it as like a matter of fact statement. <laughs> and so he was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Did he even know what it was or was he like, you yeah. have to explain that he to me. No idea. <laughs> but then I like opened up the floor for like questions, got him like on the same page as me. So like, it wasn't this big scary thing that I was having to share with him it was just hey this is something about me and something I have like ask questions I can help you understand more you know yeah it's really really about owning it isn't it yeah kind of (laughs) right because essentially it kind of goes back to like if you do have pain with sex it's really important to know like your pain doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person right it means there was nothing you did to cause it And you're allowed to be upset that it's painful and still want it. And if you can shift your focus from, oh, I'm never going to have sex again, you know, and you could shift it to play kind of, you know, like figuring out what works for your unique body with your partner, you know, and taking away that stress from, oh no, he's not going to be able to have like penetrative sex and getting so worried about it. It can just be hey, we're going to explore and see what works best for us, right? Because painful sex isn't just on you. It's on you and your partner equally to figure out like how intimacy and sex and all of that is going to work into your relationship, you know? Yeah. And I love that idea about playing. It's like, it doesn't have to just like said, same old boring positions or doing the same thing all the time. Like, yeah, get a little bit exciting in the bedroom like try some new things um I think that makes it fun in what can be quite a very heavy situation for a female to be in at times um in terms of just like we were saying it's 
it does quite get quite consuming in your life. So to be able to be with your partner and have it as playtime, I think that is quite a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, well, and it really is just like getting curious about yourself, but also about your relationship with your partner, right? And if you're with the right partner, then they should want it to be pleasurable for you as well, you know, and they, you shouldn't have to suck it up and being able to like play and figure out what works best for your body and what positions you and your partner like the best, you know, like incorporating in vibrations because that's been shown to reduce pain in some people adding in more lube. I'm a huge of CBD lube or cannabis lube, um, trying, like I said, different positions, figuring out like what works for you. And just because something works for you right now or doesn't work for you right now, doesn't mean that it's never going to work for you. You know, you just have to always stay curious. And it just makes the bedroom more fun. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also really important to, um, that if you have endometriosis, that you explore yourself, what works for you. So then again, you can make suggestions and stuff like that in the bedroom. It's not just about going in there. Cause I think the intimacy that we have with ourselves gets so lost. It's almost like a taboo subject that, you know, we shouldn't be into masturbating and we shouldn't be into doing all this stuff that gives us selves pleasure. But I think that's really where it starts. We need to love ourselves absolutely totally to be able to allow someone else to love us in all areas. Mm-hmm. when yeah. I love it it is it's such a natural thing like I know there's a lot of stigma around it and shame depending on how you grew up and what you were taught about it or if you weren't taught anything about it you know like oh no like you can't self-pleasure but everybody does it almost everybody right and it's about figuring out what works best for your body and like again kind of going back to that safety like what what makes it or creating an environment where your erotic self feels welcomed and safe essentially is what it is, right? Like figuring out what you like and allowing yourself to be a sensual being because you are. Oh, I love that. I like that about being erotically safe. I think that is the perfect way to put it. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes back to that feeling of safety. Yeah. I'm definitely going to use that one. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm stealing sure. that. <laughs> <laughs> Because, um, yeah, it's not just about, I suppose, obviously we're talking about endo, but I think that can come across a lot of different conditions and stuff that I would see in my practice as well. So, yeah, I think that's a really good tip. Yeah, and I mean, it's obviously it's going to be a little bit different for everybody, but that's okay. Yeah. And when you are currently, like, you know, obviously experience pain or you're in, you're bloated and fatigued, which we can definitely get with endo. Mm -hmm. Obviously you have your husband now, which probably makes it easier to have those conversations, but how do you tell your clients to kind of handle being intimate in situations like that? Is it like avoidance? Is it chatting with the person? Like what kind of tips do you give your clients around that? Yeah. Well, as you mentioned before, like I'm all about owning it. Right. So if, your partner can't read your mind. And so if you aren't feeling well, they might be in the mood and they might like want to surprise you, but then you're going to have to turn them down. And it'll be like this whole thing where when you could just tell them like, Hey, I'm not feeling good today, you know, and just like, let it be known that you're not feeling good. Um, a couple of my 
clients, one of the things that I love. So like, <laughs> I recommend that they wear like a specific nighty whenever they are feeling like ready. Um, and then their partner sees it and they're like, Ooh, that's your sex. <laughs> We're going to go do it right now, you know? Um, but it just is going to be figuring out what works best for you and your partner. And I'm a huge fan of open communication and just letting them know. Um, I know that doesn't feel very sexy sometimes. And I'm also a big fan of planning it. Right. So figuring out what times during the day, like tracking your cycle and tracking your pain and figuring out like what times during the day, do you feel your best? You know, like if your partner is really wants to have sex late at night, but that's like your worst pain time, you need to have a conversation with them and let them know or her know that that's your worst pain time. Like we need to figure out another time for us to be intimate. So let's plan it, you know? And again, planning doesn't feel sexy, but we plan literally everything in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> we could be planned too. It doesn't make it any less fun. No. And I think I have been listening to a podcast recently and they're talking about being creative because I think that is something else that we've definitely lost along the way in terms of this general playing creativity in our lives. And they were like, you know, you can schedule like time. And they said like, was it sounds really like totally contrasting that you plan for creativity, but it works. It's like your body then knows your mind then knows, okay, this is the time. Like I'm allowed to just be free and create. It's the same situation with this. Like you literally, it's like, okay, like your body knows like this is the time, like start your engines like you know like just then your body will start to relax into it because it knows it's coming rather than it being this thing that is sprung on you and yes spontaneity is lovely but it doesn't need to lose the fun and carefree just because it was planned right not at all and I love that because it's so true like your body you're like oh yes I'm gonna we're gonna have sex tonight you know and like you're you're mentally getting ready for it and then I mean, that thinking about it, like send some sexy messages, like, you know, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Like literally play all day, you yeah. know, because your pleasure doesn't have to go from zero to a hundred in the snap of a finger. You can like slowly increase your pleasure all day by like adding in little things to do all day that increase your pleasure, right? Like sexing or like wearing sexy underwear all day and like, just feeling like, Ooh, I got my sexy undies on, you know? And just things that are going to make you feel empowered in your body all day. And then by the time that the, the moment comes, like you're ready for it, you know? Yeah. I love that. And that whole like sexy empowerment, because I, again, something that totally gets lost when you're consumed with any chronic condition, I think. So I think that's really lovely that you can take this back. Like you can absolutely own it, take it back and yeah, really step into that sexy feminine that we all have inside us yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna ask you how do you support yourself on the hard days whether or not it's with pain or whether it's with the mental side of the condition obviously like now you said you have a lot more pain-free days but I'm sure they weren't all like that no they weren't all like that even when I do have pain now like I'm in a better spot mentally where it doesn't have such a hold on me, you know? Um, But honestly, it's just like when I do have a really high pain day or I'm not feeling great and giving myself a break, 
you know, like not being so hard on myself and not being down on myself because I had to do all of these things today for my business or for whatever, you know, it's my body is important. Like it needs, like, it's obviously screaming at me. It needs to rest, you know? So what can I do to really like make my body again, feel safe, coming back to that safety thing. And then just feel good. Like, how can I fill up my cup up more right now? Yeah, nice. And could you mind sharing some of those things that allow you to fill your cup up? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So if I like wake up and I'm having it, it's only happened a couple of times in the last few years where I'll wake up just pins and needles from head to toe and like vomiting. Um, and on those days, obviously, I just try to get some Pedialyte down and I take a hot bath and then I, I sleep. Um, but when it's just like medium pain, you know, or I have like that bloating and endo belly from just being really stressed out and exhausted, right. Giving myself that time to not have to do everything on my to-do list. Right. And to just sit back, like I'm a huge fan of Epsom salt baths. They heal my mind, body, and soul. (laughs) And they're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. Um, any kind of like gentle movements that I feel like are good, uh, the breathing, going for a walk, snuggling my puppies, spending time with my husband, just things that light me up, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And what kind of puppies do you have? Oh, we have a beagle wiener dog. Her name is Mars. And then um, a catahoula leopard dog. So she oh, wow. is, yeah, very, most people don't know what kind of dog that is, but she's kind of like gray and speckly. It's the Louisiana state dog. Cool. Um, they're they're angels. I love them. <laughs> I love my puppy too. So yeah, as soon as you mentioned that, my ears totally pricked up. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of puppy do you have? I have a staffy, and her oh. name is Chia because yeah, I'm obsessed with health foods. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. So yeah. cute. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. she is pretty gorgeous. Oh, I know, and she's stuck on the other side of the world in Australia, and I'm in England. So at the moment, I'm definitely missing my puppy cuddles, but one day. We will be reunited and I'm sure there'll be a lot of Staffy love. If anyone knows Staffy's, those puppies know how to give a lot of love. <laughs> oh, yes, 100%. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you wanted to let the listeners know based on what we were talking about or do you think we've got it covered? Um, honestly, I think I would just leave you with trust your body. Like you know your body so well. Like we're so intuitive and through like society and conditioning and things like that, we, we get taught to unlike not trust our body, but we, we know what's going on. It's our body. Like, you know, your body better than anybody else to trust it. Oh yeah. I think that is a key. Absolutely key. Um, and before I dive into my final two questions, where can the listeners find you? How can they get in contact with you? And do you have anything that you want to share that you've got coming up? Yeah, so you guys can reach out on Instagram at Chelsea Bree. It's Chelsea with three A's. Um, my website's Chelsea Bree with one A. Um, I also have a podcast, so you guys can tune in over there. And a couple things coming up. I do have a membership program, like a opening up for people. Like if you're just starting in your health journey and you're wanting to get like the basic step by step how to start having more good days than bad, that membership will be opening up the end of. March, beginning of April. 
And you can find my endo self-love journal on Etsy for a download and also on Amazon. Which cool. is just I will, yeah. I'll put all those links in the show notes to make it super easy for everyone to find. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Final questions. Yeah. How do you strengthen, sustain and nurture your life? Mm. Honestly, by what we've been talking about this whole podcast, right? Like really leaning into balance and leaning into what works and feels good for my unique body, but also just giving myself grace and a break when on the hard days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I think so much is needed that like that, that is so much needed in the world today from a lot of people. We just really need to, yeah, take some pressure off. Yes, exactly. Because it's not helping anybody. It's not <laughs> no. helping you. Like I, yeah, I remember like the beginning of my healing journey, like I was so angry at everybody. And I, I like took a step back and I was like, okay, well, this anger is not helping anybody. It's hurting me more, you know? So figuring out ways to move away from that in a healthy way um, and really find balance has been huge for me. Mm, lovely. And what are you currently doing in your life to find your home? Honestly, like, it's what makes me hum through understanding myself better, right? And so, I mean, honestly, just diving into personal development and obviously helping my coaching business, like helping other women and people that have endometriosis with their love life, with their life in general, their sex lives, all of this. I've learned so much about myself through helping others, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's so great too when you get to see them, like find their hum as well. I suppose there's no other better way to put it. Like they start living their life back to where, like, you know, where it should be. It's not some sort of like half full, like they are living full lives again. There's nothing better. Yeah, there is nothing better. And it's, it's just, it's beautiful transformation, you know? So lucky that we get to do it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for giving me your time today and sharing all this wonderful stuff with the listeners. It has been absolutely amazing. I know they are absolutely going to love it. Thank you so much for having me on. I loved our conversation. This was fantastic. Cheers for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Hum. Don't forget to subscribe. Oh, and tell your mates about it.